0: Welcome to Stories After Midnight. I appreciate you checking out this video. The story we will be reading today is called The Hitchhiker by Brad Bowman. Let's get into it. I guess it all started about a week prior to the event when I was on my way to work. My car broke down on the interstate. It was a 1991 Geostorm, if you remember what those looked like. It was a sporty little 5-speed and very fun to drive. I love that car, but I digress. Anyways, it was the alternator or something, I don't remember, that caused me to be on the side of the road miles from work. This was long before I ever owned a cell phone, and so I started walking.
1: That was when a very
0: kind older gentleman picked me up and drove me to the nearest gas station. As he let me out, I said thank you, and we said our goodbyes. He made me promise to never pick someone up like he had just done. He reiterated it was because you never know who that person might be. He said he had only done it because, and I quote, I could tell you were a good soul. I agreed and went on my way with getting to work and having my car towed and repaired. If I had only listened to his warning, I would not be sharing this story with you today. It was a Tuesday night. I remember because I always played basketball in my buddy's gym every Tuesday night with the boys. The night was like any other. I played my normal game. A few great plays surrounded by quite a few not-so-great turnovers. We won a few games and lost a few as well. This night had not given any indication of what was about to unfold. No inkling that it would become a night I would never forget. We finished up playing around 9pm, and I began to make the trek back home. The gym was only a few minutes away from work, but about 45 minutes away from home, if I took the interstate. It started raining the second I ventured off the on ramp and onto I 77 North. As I hit the North Carolina Virginia state line, the rain increased drastically. It began to get foggy about halfway up the mountain, and by the time I reached the top, it was no longer rain, but a torrential downpour. The fog was so thick I could barely see five feet in front of the car. It was so thick it felt as if you could cut it with a knife. This, coupled with the rain, made it very difficult to drive. By the time I got off the interstate and made my way onto Highway 58, the fog had lifted slightly. The rain, however, had worsened even more. This was now a monsoon. Not long after turning onto 58, as I sat up in my seat with my back straight as a board, at the last second I saw something on the side of the road. Thinking it was a deer or something getting ready to run out in the road, I stomped on the brakes and veered to the left. As the car screeched by the figure, I saw it was a man walking on the side of the road. He was huge, standing approximately six foot four, and probably weighing around 250 pounds. He paused behind me for a moment, with his silhouette glowing in my taillights, as if pondering what he should do. I wondered the exact same thing as I watched him approach the passenger side of my little car. I thought to myself, I can't let anyone walk around in a storm like this. I almost got hit by him. He might not be so lucky with the next vehicle that comes by. I rolled the window down as he reached the passenger side door. He just stood there, towering over the car and stared straight ahead. I asked loudly over the sound of the rain, Hey man, do you need a ride? Without bending down to look inside the car or answering me, he opened the door and got in. He was soaking wet. He had long black hair that clung to the side of his face and dripped into his shoulders. He wore a coat that I can only describe as some sort of duster jacket, like cowboys used to wear in old westerns. It draped over his upper body and went down to his knees. It was drenched with water that was now pooling onto the floorboard and around his feet. He wore old work boots that were worn and turned a darkened brown due to the saturation of water. It was clear he had been walking in the storm for quite a while. He filled up the passenger seat in my little car, and made me feel small. Without looking at me, he said. Thanks. His voice was gruff and hardened, like a cold-hearted detective or private eye from an old 50s show. No problem, I responded as I started to pull back into my lane and continued toward town. I'm Brad, by the way. What are you doing out in this mess? I asked, trying to make conversation. He didn't respond. That's when it dawned on me that he still hadn't looked at me. With the hair draping down I could not get a good look at his face, a wariness began to creep into me, as I wondered if I had made a mistake by letting this guy into my car. Where are you headed to? I asked, needing to get an answer, and get him out of my car as quickly as possible. Home, he said, keeping his eyes forward as if he was in a trance. His voice sounded as if he was hollow inside, a void of all emotion. I gave a nervous chuckle as I persisted. Where is that, exactly? There was a long pause as he continued to stare ahead. The silence was deafening at this point, seeming to drown out the sound of the pouring rain hitting the windshield. Although I could not read his facial features, it felt as if he was processing my question, deciding how he should answer, or what he should do next. My weariness had grown now into a full sense of dread as I tried to anticipate what was about to happen. An image of the old man who had picked me up just a few weeks earlier entered my thoughts as his warning rang in my head. Don't pick up strangers, that's what he had said. Why had I not heeded his warning? What had I gotten myself into? Then suddenly it was like he snapped out of his trance. He turned halfway toward me so I could somewhat see his face and smiled. His smile seemed warm, yet at the same time it felt off. It looked normal but I could not get over the feeling that it was fake. I still could not clearly see his eyes, but I could tell now that he was probably around my age or slightly older. This would put him around thirty years old or so. He had a black beard that was in need of a trim, and a small scar in his upper lip. He said in a much softer and kind tone, just up ahead, about half a mile or so. So this should have made me feel at ease and more relaxed as it was as normal a response as anyone has ever given me. Yet I could not get over the dread and danger signs that were flashing in my mind. I gripped the steering wheel so tightly my knuckles were white and felt as if it would snap off into my hands at any moment. I focused on the road as much as possible while trying to keep an eye on him without him noticing. We rode in silence the rest of the way there. It seemed like an eternity, but was probably less than two minutes. He broke the silence. It's just up ahead on the right. His voice was somewhere strangely in between the raspy and smooth, like the fake voice was fading back to its original hardness. Would you like me to pull into the driveway or up to the door? No, he exclaimed, now fully back to gruff. Just stop along the side of the road. That will be fine. Back to soft, like it was a Jekyll and Hyde show. I pulled onto the curb in front of the house and looked over in his direction, looking past him at the house. There were no lights on as if no one was home and everyone was already asleep. The darkness, coupled with the fog, made the home impossible to see at night. I then looked at him. He just sat there, still looking forward. I wondered, what is this guy going to do next? Well, we're here. I said, hoping he would get the hint to get out of my car. He continued to sit there in silence. He then looked up at the house and stared for a moment. After what seemed like hours, he asked, Why did you stop to pick me up? I stared at him as he continued to look out the passenger window in the direction of the house. I thought about his question and said, I don't know. It looked like you needed help. I know I wouldn't want to be stuck out in this mess. He looked forward again and smirked with a slight grunt. He reached for the car door and I felt relief start to creep in. He then opened the door and stuck one leg out before pausing for a moment. He then turned to face me. As I turned to face him, he said, You really shouldn't pick up strangers. You never know who is out there. He smiled at me as I looked into his eyes for the first time. His smile looked wicked and his eyes, his eyes were black as coal. I lurched back into my seat, up against the driver's side door. Be careful out there, he said as he stepped out of the car. His words were no longer decorated with the fake soft kindness, but returned to the guttural evil that it first had. He shut the door as the rain continued to pour and just stood there watching me. I pulled off without even looking for oncoming traffic, but kept my eyes fixated on him. Again, the shape of this giant was outlined in my taillights. He stared at me as I pulled away with those black, soulless eyes. Just before he was out of my sight, I saw him turn and then walk straight toward the house. I was shaken. I didn't know what to think of this whole interaction. I drove home, hopped in the shower, and checked on my son, all tucked in nice and tight, before I crawled into bed. I kissed my sleeping wife goodnight and snuggled up to her, happy to be home. I lay there remembering the old man and his warning, and then what had just occurred, thinking to myself how odd it was that they both had said the same thing. It was a long night, but somewhere in the middle of it, I had drifted off to sleep. I awoke the next morning, to my wife getting ready for work. I was off that day, and planned to spend it with my three-year-old son. As we both fixed ourselves a bowl of cereal before my son woke up, she said, You got home late last night? Oh, yeah, geez, the storm? Something awful, I replied. Couldn't hardly see to drive, I added, not wanting to share my strange encounter and worry her. I figured it was a doozy, she remarked. She then added, I never know with you. Thought you may have picked up a maniac killer or something. She took a big bite of her breakfast, snickering at her joke, not realizing how accurate she had been. I just sat there, in astonishment. What was going on in this crazy world? Was God trying to tell me something? I could not get over the coincidences. I decided I was not going to sit around all day and ponder, and I was going to enjoy my day with my son. We spent the morning playing inside with his toys and cuddled on the couch watching Blue's Clues. Eventually, he faded off to sleep for his nap, and I went outside to mow the yard. The afternoon was spent playing outside and running around the yard and woods. That evening, when my wife returned from work, she ran up to me as I wrestled with our three-year-old in the front yard. Have you heard of what was going on on Highway 58? she asked excitedly. Not even having a thought of what it might be, I answered. No. What? There is police tape all around a house near Fancy Gap. Apparently there was an entire family murdered last night. There are police all over the place investigating. I think my jaw visibly fell open. What are the odds? Couldn't be. I asked, which house was it? She gave me the answer I already knew deep down. Without a thought, I snatched my son up, grabbed her hand, and ushered her inside the house. I think I set my boy down in front of the TV, turned on Scooby-Doo, and gave him some snacks. I then went to the kitchen table and sat down with what felt like the weight of the world upon me. My wife, confused by my silence, began fixing dinner. She didn't ask any questions or comment on it the rest of the night. I guess she could feel that something was off. This was before Google or Facebook, and so I had to wait until the evening news the next day to get any real information. The local police had already called in the FBI. They were on the TV reporting that they had discovered boot prints heading into the front door and out of the back door of the home leading into the woods. Apparently there had been three murdered. Jim, 55, his wife Gina, 48, and their daughter Lisa, 13. Police were currently looking for their older son, John, 29, whose last known whereabouts were Cut Bank, Montana, to inform him of his family's death. It was not confirmed by authorities, but it was rumored that he was a person of interest in the murders because they found the word home written in blood on the living room wall. It's been 14 years since that night. John has never been found. I have never forgotten that night. There was no doubt in my mind that I picked up that family's killer. Of course, I reported it to the police. I told them everything. Well, almost everything. I left out the black eyes and the foreboding warnings I received from both the old man and the hitchhiker. They said that my description did not fit John's description, as everyone had said. He was always clean-cut with a soft voice and a kind smile. They investigated it, of course, but it never led anywhere. I raised both my sons to always be wary of strangers and to never accept rides or give them to anyone. I have yet to pick up a hitchhiker since. And this night has not left me without consequences, however. Sometimes when I'm driving in the rain at night, especially when it's foggy out, I see him in my taillights, standing there in the rain, just waiting to see if I will stop. I tell you this tale as a warning warning that I wish I would have listened to the first time, but one that I most certainly adhere to now. Be careful. You never know who or what is out there. And that's it. I really hope you enjoyed the story. A huge thank you uh, to Brad for sending in this story. I really enjoyed it and I hope you did too. Also a huge shout out to my Patreon members and YouTube members. Kudos to you guys for being cool, and just thank you for everyone who stops by to listen to this story on YouTube or on the podcast, and those of you who like and comment. So yeah, if you liked it, like the video. Maybe you let me know that you liked it. Uh, if you want to do more than that, though, there is a podcast. There's a podcast, of course. It's a podcast. There's a Patreon uh, and YouTube memberships that you can support the channel financially. And if, if I know some people like to do more than than you know, liking and subscribing and all that stuff. So. The options are there. You can also join the Discord if you want to hang out with us. It's pretty chill. Nothing too crazy going on. It won't bother you too much. If you'd like to send in your story, you can uh, have a look in the description. There is a link down there that you can use to send me your story to read on the channel. I appreciate everyone who does send some in. Uh, I guess with that said, I'll see you in the next one.